0: Hello, and welcome to Broadway Weekly. This is your host, Josh Mendelson. This just in on the Telegram, we have news coming out of Cook County Courthouse. The murderess Miss Roxy Hart has been found innocent of murder. We expect her to go into a vaudeville performance soon, so be ready to see the one and only Miss Roxy Hart in a theater near you soon. Well, at least, that might be what you'd expect to hear on the radio in 1927, when this week's show takes place. In case you haven't guessed it, we're looking at Chicago the classic musical by John Kander, Fred Ebb, and Bob Foss. Originally premiered in 1975, Chicago is actually based on a 1926 play by the same name. That play was written by Maureen Dallas Watkins, who was also a reporter along with the playwright. She covered the real 1924 trials of accused murderers Bella Annan and Belva Gartner in a series of articles that became so popular she based her play off of it. These two real women served as the basis for the roles of Roxy and Velma, who, while have fictionalized stories, resemble the real deal down to even the faking of a pregnancy during the trial, which mysteriously went missing after acquittal. Now, Chicago has become a classic on the Broadway scene, with the 1996 revival holding the record for the longest-running musical revival and longest-running American musical in Broadway history. The star-studded 2002 film, which features actors like Catherine Zeta-Jones, John C. Reilly, and Queen Latifah, even won the Academy Award for Best Picture. Now, at its core, Chicago is really a satire on America's love of the grotesque spectacle. We should start off by saying that no one in this production, with the exception of Amos, is a sympathetic character. Half are murderers, and the other half are either blatantly corrupt or morally dubious. That being said, Chicago opens with the classic rousing number, All That Jazz which, while we don't have enough time to delve too deeply into, I will note that when I showed the 2002 movie to my friend, she turned to me and just exclaimed, Wow, we've had jazz, sex, and murder in the first five minutes. What a way to open. I think that's a pretty uh, fitting assessment. The sex and murder referenced in this statement is that of Roxy Hart and her extracurricular lover, Fred Casely. After spending a night together, Roxy learns that Fred had been lying to her, and in a fit of rage, she shoots him. It is with this that we go into our first song clip from Funny Honey, where Roxy has convinced her husband, Amos, to take the blame of the murder for her. However, things don't seem to be lining up to Amos, and we'll soon see the the conflict between his realization and Roxy's internal monologue. Deceased Fred Casely. Fred Casely? How could he be a burglar? My wife knows him. He sold us our furniture. He gave us 10% off. Lord knows he ain't told me he was a burglar you mean he was dead when you got home she had him covered in a sheet and she's telling me some cock and bull story about this burglar and how i ought to say i did it because i was sure to get off help me amos she says it's my goddamn hour he shut off his trap i can't Roxy is singing in her vaudeville world, meanwhile Amos's spoken part is much more grounded in the real world. Polyphonic texture is also very present as both people sing representing the clashing of their two sides of the stories. Now, Amos is just an average guy. He's not very good looking, not very smart. And yet, he's the only character in Chicago whose motives are entirely pure and never selfish. However, it becomes clear through the rest of the show that this does not always lead to him coming out ahead. In fact, through dramatic action in his later song, Mr. Cellophane, Chicago seems to question who really gets ahead in life. But back to the story. Roxy is soon arrested for the murder of Fred Casely and is sent to the Cook County Jail, where she meets Mama Morton. Now Mama, played by Queen Latifah, is quickly established as a crooked warden who willingly takes bribes in order to perform any number of favors for her inmates. After getting locked into her cell, Roxy, one by one, learns the story of her fellow inmates, And possibly the most famous song from Chicago, a cell block tango. Now I'm standing in the kitchen, carving up the chicken for dinner, minding my own business, in storms my husband Wilbur in a jealous rage. You've been screwing the milkman he says. He was crazy. And he kept on screaming, You've been screwing the milkman. And then he ran into my knife. He ran into my knife ten times. Yeah, but did you do it? Uh-uh. Not guilty. In this jazz-inspired piece, each person is professing their guilt to the crime that they committed, but that quote, they had it coming, so the crime itself should not count. That is, except for the one Hungarian woman, whose character name is actually an ethnic slur for the Hungarian people, so I won't repeat that here, but what I will repeat is the translation of what she says. What am I doing here? They say my famous lover held down my husband while I chopped off his head, but it's not true. I am innocent. I don't know why Uncle Sam says I did it. I tried to explain at the police station, but they didn't understand me. Now I wish I had time to delve further into the rest of the show, but due to time constraints, I'm going to leave that up to you to watch. I highly recommend it. There are several driving themes of Chicago, but as I mentioned at the top, the grotesque spectacle is front and center. You can see this in the way that Amos, once again, the sole moral character in the show, albeit a rather plain one, is left behind, while crooked figures like Billy Flynn, mm-hmm. Valma Kelly, and Roxy Hart all get ahead. This message is largely conveyed through the setting of the musical in 1927 Chicago. Among the likes of fellow criminal celebrities such as Al Capone, and where vaudeville really was a way to make it in the show business after any inkling of public fame, vaudeville was an extremely popular form of entertainment in America in the early 20th century. It is often featured as a mixture of specialty acts such as burlesque comedy, song, and dance. In fact, the barometer of this show is set around vaudeville. Those who do well, like Billy Flynn, get extravagant numbers like Razzle Dazzle, while the sole moral character of the show, Amos, gets a subdued and sad clown performance in Mr. Cellophane. In Chicago, the entire show is performed as vaudeville, with each song acting as its own miniature act within the greater performance of the show. According to Fred Ebbs, he wrote the book in the style because, quote, the characters were performers. Every musical moment in the show was loosely modeled on someone else from history. By doing so, Ebb puts the audience into the musical along with the characters. We join together to marvel at the spectacle of the vaudevillian songs while putting aside the sliminess of the characters' deeds. We laugh at the jokes and cheer on the dance numbers, and then at the end, the show stops and says, subtly, You do understand what you've been cheering for, right? Murderers. The other major point of focus in Chicago is the perverse American attraction towards spectacle at the expense of the important stories. This can be seen when the Hungarian woman is executed, largely because she did not speak English and could therefore not defend herself in court. Yet this had no media attention. Meanwhile, Roxy Hart knows how to attract the attention through extremely dishonest means and is therefore found innocent and turned into a star. Now, you may think this is a gross exaggeration from the truth, but in reality, this sort of media attention is seen all of the time. Not only was Chicago based on actual trials wherein the women pulled similar stunts, but look at a contemporary example, such as O.J. Simpson. Accused of a double homicide, O.J. Simpson and his lawyer, Johnny Cochran, were able to play the media and sway the opinion of the public, and more importantly, the jury, into believing he was innocent. Now, there still is a great deal of debate about Simpson's innocence or guilt, much of which is derived from the generations of injustice incurred upon the African-American community. However, one thing can be agreed on by everyone following the trial. America loves the spectacle. Just like in Chicago, every single television in 1995 was singularly focused around the court proceedings that, in the end, really should have been centered around the tragic losses of life. Yet this gets buried behind the vaudevillian acts of reality. Well, that's all, folks. I hope you get the opportunity to watch all of Chicago for yourself, and I will catch you all for next week's episode, the extremely amazingly acclaimed Escape to Margaritaville.